he's a guy that's always got like an interesting topic to talk about. We had a whole long conversation the other day about different animals where you would want to fight them, right? So like if you'd rather fight a lion on land or you'd rather fight an alligator in the water, like just different animals and how we'd fare in the wild. Those are some of the just samples of what we're talking about in between meetings. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. America's most entertaining punter, AJ Cole. That will be, I don't know when Adam Hill is back in, but I think he's uh, in at the end of the week. So that'll be a topic because he is an AJ Cole stan. So we'll get into that in a couple of days. But we have a lot of important stuff to get to. That's not a lot that, that important, but. Caleb Herring is up, one of the voices of the Rebels. Rebels report. First of all, Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing fantastic. Now I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I would rather take a lion on, on land. I think that's what I would go with. But no, I'm doing good. Other than that, I'm excited for what you were about to say. Rebels report. Yes. Rebels report on Friday. And then I think first practice is on Saturday. So these are exciting times. It's been a, a long offseason. They've added a lot of players, a lot of mass put on the team from a size standpoint, and I'm sure they're uh, chomping at the bit to get the record better this year and do a much better job in close games where they went 0-6 last year in games inside of eight points. So that leads me to one of the guys who actually got nominated in the preseason for an award is going to be vital if they have all those close games again. And that is Daniel Gutierrez, who I don't think gets enough attention, even locally, for how awesome he is. No, no, he he does not. I, he's the most accurate kicker in UNLV history at this point, um, just based on the amount of not just good field goals he's kicked, but the the pressure of those kicks that he had, especially last year. It was like there was a time where three field goals kept UNLV in the game um, so that they had a chance late. Um, but but he's he's been able to come through. He has uh, maybe not a, as as beautiful of a field goal kicking like uh, like visually like right. uh, it doesn't look like it's gonna get there sometimes. But he comes through more often than not. He's hit some from deep. Um, but the more important thing for field goal kickers is you know you got points on the board. You get him inside the thirty. You pretty much as a UNLV fan are, are are saying you should come away with three points at least from possession. So valuable piece, especially like you said, if there's going to be a lot of close games, expecting more, especially with uh, the conference schedule to be more close games this year, um, even than last year. So I, I think it's going to be vital to have him back there, um, knocking down some field goals, especially if he can knock him down late in ball games. And as a coach, you have so much to worry about, you know, in winning close games. So it's awesome to have a reliable field kicker, a field goal kicker. So, you know, you, you feel pretty solid about, Sending him out there 40 yards and under. The other thing, and this is where they have to improve, punter. And I don't know where the punter situation sits right now because I think they've had some injuries. But if you noticed, they brought in more punters. I think there's five guys right now competing for the the uh, punting spot. So they've. The, I, I know they brought in an international recruit, an SEC transfer is in. So this is going to be a war at punter, and it just it has to get better. Yeah, and it's it's really a not not a problem that a lot of people have or at least think about. Um, one, you don't want to be punting a lot. That That's one thing. But two, when you do punt, you usually hope that that's just kind of a play that the mechanics just happen as they are and you're just flipping the field position. That's what it is. For UNLV, oftentimes it was a, a really just a pick in the hat. Like what, what's it going to be from the special teams unit from the punt team uh, on any given fourth down play? Um, there was a stretch, maybe a couple of games where the punting situation wasn't that bad. It was like, okay, it, it, it got the job done. But for mo- most of the season, 
you couldn't rely on the, the punt unit to really flip field position. And, and there were some dangers, some some situation that UNLV couldn't get out of because of that, um, where the field position really didn't change at all. Um, and you look at teams like San Diego State, who had the exact opposite problem in the conference, where their punt unit was an absolute factor in how they were able to win some of the games. Again, like we were talking about close down the stretch, um, having special teams locked in and, and able to perform in the few times that they're out on the field um, is definitely important. And UNLV struggled mightily in the punt uh, category. So we'll see if the extra bodies, who would have thought five guys competing for the starting punter job. That's not something that's usual uh, or at least making headlines. But that's something that UNLV definitely has to think about and maybe could contribute if they can't figure it out before the season or at the end of fall camp, maybe contributes to going forward on fourth down, being a little bit more aggressive um, as the season goes on for UNLV if they if they struggle like they did last season. Uh, as far as the punts, the, the punt team goes. Yeah, Ryan O'Hara, who is a transfer from, I'm going to get it wrong, Lehigh or Lafayette. Uh, he's actually moved, at least in the spring, he moved to the top of the depth chart. But like I said, there's uh, multiple transfers in, and I believe Evan Silva is back, but he was dinged up uh, in the spring. All right, let's talk about the you know the highest level of, of accolades in the preseason. Does it matter? I don't know, but players look at it uh, as motivation. You know, I know I tweeted something out about um, – one of the publications out there had like their top four teams, you know, all-star teams, whatever, all-conference teams for the Mountain West, and Austin Ajake was on the fourth team. And uh, I tweeted out, I think Ajake might be the best defensive player for the Rebels. He should be mentioned higher. Do players care about stuff like that? Did, did you care? Did, you know, teammates that were awesome, did they care? You know what? No, not not <laughs> okay. personally. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I did. preseason stuff, the predictions, and all that stuff are really just based on last year and for for anybody who takes the game seriously um and and is improving their game and, and working on their craft constantly um to even be considered for those things understands that year to year you can become a different player there's there's drastic improvements that you can make from the last time that anybody who's you know a talking head or a media personality saw you play um there's a lot of things that are going to be different about you individually as well as your situation when you're talking about team projections and the preseason rankings that come out every year. Um, but th those projections or predictions are often wrong. It's not, you know, there's the ones that stand out, the guys that are pretty much, I guess, sure deals. They're, they are who they are, and they'll, they'll end up there, or maybe even the teams that are near the top of the crop all the time. Um, and that's fine. But as far as the individual accolades go and the preseason awards, the preseason All-Americans, preseason All-Conferences, there's so much of that that changes because you don't really know until you see it on the field for that specific season. So uh, as far as individuals go, I'd never been around a guy who was really hyped about the preseason accolades, much less cared to look up and research who they were. I mean, they had to be told probably by somebody else, you know, whether in a media interview or something else, that they were preseason All-Americans. So, no, I, I don't think it plays that big of a deal now. Obviously, the postseason accolades did. They, they were bragging rights to an extent. They were measures of your, your progress, I guess. Um, but the preseason predictions were never really uh, talked about, I guess, in, in the locker rooms. Well, and I think the reason why Steve brings this up, Ricky White, he I think it's noticeable for UNLV because nobody's on the preseason, uh, the all-conference team. Now, I know I turned in a ballot. And I had Ajake on mine. I had Kyle Williams on mine. I definitely had uh, Daniel Gutierrez on there. And I think it's just noticeable when you have nobody from your team 
listed on the all con- the preseason all conference team, and I think that's why he tweeted Ricky White quoted the tweet or he p- tweeted a snapshot, a screenshot, confused on why me or none of my teammates on this list. See you postseason though. This list gonna look totally different. And and that's 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 just about the attitude that I would expect a player to have about it. And he's basically saying what I said. They're off. They're wrong. I mean, like to to say that you know, like you said, Austin, the first name that sticks out in my mind, who should have been mentioned at right. least, right. right? Like he, like it's like those things. Uh, Kyle he, Williams, he yep. definitely could have been had, mentioned, right? I like had him th- on there's mind. those are things that that you would say as a person who you and I and and Steve have have watched this team more closely than I think the guys who put the final list together or than the majority of people who are voting on this list um and we take into account the potential of what could be at the end of the year um but that 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 doesn't mean that they're useless because obviously in the case of Ricky White they're it's bulletin board material and I I, I'm willing to bet like he's not on the Mountain West Conference page looking this up all day long and it's not all he does i'm willing to bet somebody told him this an outsider told him about this list and that he wasn't on it yeah. and then he looked and saw his teammates went on it and now it's all of a sudden bulletin board material it's the chip on his shoulder as if there needed to be any added chips on anybody's shoulder at unlv but with the competitive nature of the game with coach arroyo and his competitive fire that i'm sure has has permeated throughout the rest of the facility there um, that definitely turns into bulletin board material. And then you want to prove people wrong. So that come postseason, there's quite a few more Rebels on the list than there were at the beginning of things. And that's that's probably the the, the farthest it goes as far as players looking for. I mean, I've, I, I'd never really, as a player, this is from the player in me, I'd never really understood how those lists were even put together. Like I, most of the people who voted on those lists, I'd never seen before in my life. They've never been at practice. Right. They've never been involved with my personal development that no one don't know what i'm capable of they don't know the ins and outs of our system there's so many things that go into why it's dangerous to predict and based you know so they, much they, on they, they, prediction they don't you know? matter i mean uh first of all keeping track of a football team and all the numbers and the comings and goings especially with the transfer portal now is impossible my guess is that most of the coaches and much of the media um around the league probably couldn't name more than five players who play for unlv so I mean, they they do it with basketball. I think I I'll have to look it up. I might be wrong in this one. I, I feel like they've gotten like the last seven uh, preseason freshman of the year wrong. Like they they never have because it's just they don't they don't know. They're just they're guessing. Um, but I will say to push back on Ricky White the third. Ricky would not be on the preseason That's what I was All Mountain West Conference team. Like he's barely played college football. He has not. He's a, yeah, he was right, at Michigan right. State. He's transferred here. Like, do we think? He has the upside to be, I don't know, I'll be, I'll be conservative. Like, let's just go, you know, 40 catches, 600 yards, and five touchdowns. Like, to me, that would be a nice breakout season for a guy who hasn't played. Um, Jalen Cropper and Jesse Matthews, who are the first-team wide receivers, have track records. They're awesome. And, by the way, you can ask UNLV and the UNLV defense, especially actually about both of them, because I felt like Jesse Matthews had 19 catches last year in the game, and Jalen Cropper, every every time he touches the ball against UNLV, it's like a 40-yard gain. So those those two guys are awesome, but I do understand it from Ricky White's standpoint. Kind of a la Derek Carr, you're building up your teammates, you're building up yourself. So it's a cool thing before the season to say, hey, in general, we're not being noticed. Because one of the things, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, San Diego State's really good. Do they need eight guys? on the first teams, you know, offense and defense? Maybe not. No. Yeah, and it's it's are do those eight guys even really deserve it? It's, they're they're a great defense. 
but they're a great team defense. It's not I, you, you, sometimes it's not about predicting you know individual accolades. It comes together some seasons, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, for, I think Fresno State last year as a team, um, talking about predictions, was predicted to finish fourth. I want to say, <laughs> um, and they turned out. And I, I remember we, we think we talked about it on the on the seat and before the season that Fresno State, based on that list, was my sleeper. Yeah. And it's like, and by the end of the season, there it is. Like you don't know Th- those predictions. Like you said, I I don't I don't want to be able to say, but you said it. They're worthless. I I honestly that's and that's how players. Other than the way Ricky White's using it to motivate his team, is it's it's a useless thing to do. That's more for the story of sports, which is a whole different market than the actual analysis of the game. So there's there's a whole conversation that you know we're getting antsy for football. We want to talk football, and we're, we really want to do that. So that's what those preseason things are more about. They're for people to 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 get their fill of football because they're anxious for a season to actually start. Once things kick off, that's when you can start to measure like, hey, this guy's going to be something this year. This team's Hey, they're, they're they figure something out in the off season. That's that's kind of what I base you know anything off of. What is what I actually see. I don't I don't want to get in the business of predicting anything because, it's, like you said, it's more often than not wrong anyway. So we'll see what what happens when the season kicks off. Let's switch back to what we've been talking about for about three weeks now, and that's conference realignment with Caleb Herring, the former UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of UNLV football, and a host of the Marcus Arroyo radio show. Uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten did not do anyone any favors in the Pac-12 or really even the Mountain West by throwing out their schools that they might be interested in. I don't, I don't know why he did this. Um, I actually think I have a feeling I know why he did this. But anyway, he said uh, Big Ten might be interested down the road in Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Miami, Florida State. The quartet of Pac-12 teams, that is devastating news, not only for the Pac-12, but for the Mountain West and schools that want a call-up if those four schools go to the Big Ten, there will not be a Pac-12. Absolutely not. There's nowhere um, for you, there is no Pac-12 for UNLV to go to if those no. four schools are plucked. No, if, and that's absolutely right, and that's I, that's the trickle effect of you know the conference realignment. If it goes that way, if all those teams decide, you know what, yeah, we're moving towards mega conference anyway, uh, might as well get on it early. And I think that's maybe what Commissioner was doing, what Kevin Warren was doing, is kind of just. It's been floated out there, whether speculation by media personnel or, or otherwise, actual insiders who know what you know are in the meetings. Um, whatever the case may be, it's been circulating that that's where we're moving toward anyway. So with this wild, wild west where the rules are kind of in the wind right now, why not throw it out there? Get the buzz generated in your favor before, let's say, the SEC starts to reach out like they did with Texas and, you know, like that. It's It's, it's one of those things where the way the landscapes are changing, you have to be a, a more more aggressive in, in these in these talks. Um, and like you said, for the Pac-12, that that basically says no more Pac-12, right? It's going to be Big Ten or nothing else, and uh, that, which is a scary reality. And as for teams like UNLV who are kind of looking for that opportunity to sneak in and, and elevate themselves as a program, I mean, as a university and as a whole. Um, by latching on to one of those Power Five, or I guess formerly known as Power Five, I don't think or, or Pac, the Pac-10 is going to be really considered a power anything if those schools are gone. Um, but that's kind of the landscape. You really better hit your horse to, to a good wagon, otherwise you're, you're liable to get left behind. And I think Kevin Warren's doing that with the Big Ten. Putting those names out there is basically saying, hey, we're going to be the next super conference, I guess, quote-unquote super conference, um, and these teams are going to make it happen. And I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that those universities are looking at that saying, 
that may be the best future for us, which, like you said, end of the Pac-12, uh, end of an era, I guess, of football where the, the West Coast has has a mega conference or a power conference. And um, who knows what happens to the bottom half of the, the Pac-12 if that does happen. Big NFL news to close on. Darius Leonard, great player for the Colts, is now Shaquille Leonard. He's going with his middle name. What is your middle name? Whoa. I, I thought when you said big NFL star, you're going with Kyler Murray. But no, this is we bigger. can talk about my middle name. This, this is yeah, bigger. Yeah, this is way bigger. Yeah. My middle name is Devon. Um, hmm. uh, so I, I – <laughs> this is funny because there was I, a – I went through a phase yeah. when, I was, uh, when I was in uh, middle school going into high school where I tried to get known by my middle name. And it was more for the girls. Um, <laughs> but – I, I I vividly remember going through a phase where I wanted to be recognized as Devon, and uh, hmm. I don't know that I would do it as an adult. But that's interesting. That did is you, a that is breaking news. Did you ever consider going by CD Herring? Well, I go by CDH. I've gone by CDH. CD uh, Herring. CD Herring. So that that now what because I won't do it now, especially because it it's too close. To CD Lamb, I, I feel like okay. I can't All right. All right. Un- untangle yep. that from okay. trying to. From yeah, but yours would be like initials, isn't his C E E D E E? Oh, that's a good. Yeah, point. yeah, that, but it sounds the same. It sounds the same. CDH, I do go by CDH, uh, like as you know, for gamer tags mm-hmm. on video games. That's my gamer tag. Mm-hmm. But from every Wednesday, it, so that, be... that has been floated around. Uh, I think you've made the right choice. We're going to make that determination over the next week or so with everyone's middle name. And if you need to change your name, according to Cofield and Company, I like Caleb better than. Devon. Caleb Herring sounds Thanks. better than Devon Herring. Yeah, I'm just glad your it middle does. name's not pickled. Ooh. Wow. Uncle Willie. Uncle Willie was waiting or for that red. joke all show. You, oh, yeah, I know, oh I know. God. That's red. not the first time you've heard that. I know, I know. <laughs> no, no. It's usually red. I've, I've oh, heard red. pickled okay. herring, but red, red herring is, is usually where people go with, with that dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about my name. That's You could tell people who have fished before, you know, because not very many people know that herring is a fish. Go you got uh, you got all your dry fit stuff ready to go out to UNLV practice. Sweat a little bit, watch some practice. We doing this? Yeah, the long go. sleeves. I got I got sleeves. my bucket hat. I've got uh, there's going to be so much sunscreen. I'm trying I'm trying to preserve myself this year. I'm going to be able to get out to more practices. Fortunately, with my personal schedule, so nice. I'm excited to be there and 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 see what the team looks like in fall camp. Getting excited for the 27th, uh, kicking off the season. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic, and I'm excited to see what the boys put on the field. How far can you throw the football right now? Uh, 65 yards. Nice. I know that off the top of my head because I I did it recently. I think it was two weeks ago. What? I, I, I was, I was really? just goofing around. One of the, Some of the guys have a flag football team. I go out there with them. I don't play. but I can't um, wait till they, we get they, the they flag football team together. <laughs> I, we, there's not enough icy hot, I don't think, to go around. No. I, we're of age where it's not. It's not worth it the way these guys. These guys are so serious. I'm older than everybody that's considering playing. (laughs) So, well, you actually work out. You're in better shape. Well, not the Caleb. There's levels to it, right? But I'm saying than the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't. I just don't want us to get hurt. You're holding that against me. The the whole (laughs) whole company can't be hurt because then nobody's going to be here to do the show. So I, I mean. (laughs) <laughs> that that's what the show's going to turn into yeah. an injury report. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. The whole show's an injury report. All right, Caleb, we appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys, have a good one. Thank See you. you. 
364 That sounded curt. I apologize. We're just, you know, we're, we're up against it. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, 364-1100, Caller 7, August 5th to the 7th, three-day event, the Evo Championships. That's a video game fighting tournament. This is a big deal, really big deal. Arena finals going on here in town at Mandalay Bay. You can grab your own tickets at AXS.com, but we've got a pair right now for August 7th, 364-1100, Caller 7. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Man, oh man, I got to get out to UNLV football practice when it opens up. I don't, I don't know this roster. I have not kept track of the uh, punters over the last two months. The way I'm reading the roster now, I was mentioning some of the punters. I mentioned Evan Silva who uh, got a lot of punting action last year. And uh, right now, the only listed punters, if I'm correct, are Hunter Ridley, Charlton Butt, who was with the program, Marshall Nichols, who transferred in from Mississippi State, and then Ryan O'Hara, who was around last year, mainly as a backup place kicker. So we'll see. Someone's got to win that battle, hold on to it, and do well. So I just mentioned the middle names. Darius Leonard is now going by Shaquille Leonard. Darius Leonard, the Colts linebacker, explained... You know what? He really never wanted to go with Darius because the only time he heard that name was when he got in trouble. (laughs) Darius! So Caleb Herring just told us his middle name was Devon, and he actually thought about going with Devon Herring for a while. Willie G. Ramirez. I've never... I don't like to pry. You know that. George. George. What else could it be? Well, I guess it could be Gary, but... Could be Gregory. Gaylord. Yeah. Right? Like Gaylord Perry, the pitcher? Sure. Could or, be a lot of things. Or Gaylord Fokker. Okay, be careful. Uh, George. I think we're going to have to decide if you're using the right name. Uh, well, first of all, my professional name is W.G. Ramirez. Right? All my bylines. Since well, I, but I don't care about your writing. Thank you. I know that's how you make most of your money, I and, and this is a pittance. <laughs> but but I care about radio branding. Oh, gotcha. Is Willie the right name? Yeah. Or should it be George? George is too clunky. What about Georgie? Nah, Georgie! Because then everyone's going to be like, Georgie Porgy. Yep. But they could. Uh, I would, but I'd play that song all the time. But the way you said it, it could be, oh, hey, Georgie. Right. Yeah, like, about it. Here he is, Georgie! But the, 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 the throw in, then you throw in Ramirez. But you like Big Willie more. I think Willie works. So you have our approval. Cofield and Company says, yes, now, Willie here, is the right here, name to go with. You do not have to switch to your middle name. Do you know who started in Las Vegas the Willie G moniker The 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 that everybody around town, well, not everybody, but those around town use? Former... UNLV coach Jeff Horton in 1994. Now current enemy with San Diego State. Never an enemy. I know he's not. Uh, Great guy. (laughs) Um, Fun fact, he's married to Don Logan's wife's sister. They're sisters. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, he kind of started that craze. Mark Wallington carried it on. Was it a a craze? Sure. (laughs) It was a craze. It was a craze back then. Okay. The Willie G. So it was like Willie G. So, yeah. But what here's what's funny. Nobody had ever called me that. Even, you know, W.G. Ramirez with the byline. With, just nobody ever called me Willie G. The only people were my grandparents on my father's side 
when I was a little boy, would call me Willie G. So I kind of found it fascinating that it surfaced in 1994. First person to do it was a UNLV football coach. Do you want to go with Willie G moving forward on the show? And do we just, well, on the days you're on, do we just go Willie G and company? <laughs> Willie G and the gang. And I'm just part of the gang. <laughs> you're considering it. Yeah. You're a cloud. Ari's like, grab it. He you're, offered. You're a cloud. Oh, couple days God. a week. Could be we like got, three, four days we a week. Got, we got Hill, Hill and the homies. Hill and the homies. That's, not what I'm, that's what I'm the not vatos. here. That's what I'm not here. What was it? Von Tobel <laughs> and the Vatos? What? Von Tobel and the Vatos. Don't you listen to the promos? While you were gone, it's Von Tobel y los Vatos. Well, that would be interesting. And Hill Who and gets the control on, on when it's you know you and John or you and, no, I'm and never Hill? The, I'm never the one. I think we've got Willie G and the, the gang. The 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 that Willie, was the big Willie, thing. It would actually Willie to make it sound better. Willie G and the jabronis. Wh- <laughs> <laughs> right G, up your alley. Willie G and the Stunats. Yeah. Uh, that was a big topic because we had Adam on on the set at the summer league, and so and they went back and forth like, okay, well, who's going to be? What if who's the lead? Who's who the gets lead? The name if it's those two, yeah, who who gets the seniority? tough decisions? Tough decisions. All right, we're at the halfway pole. About 10 minutes away from talking to uh, MLB expert Casey Stern, not only about Major League Baseball and the trade deadline, but he actually has some ties, very loose ties, to the new Raiders play-by-play voice on radio, Jason Horowitz. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. And Did you have a bagel this week? You can't say anything real nice. Wasn't it National Bagel Fest Day? Is there a National Bagel Day and a Bagel Fest Day? What is a bagel fest? It must be a festival of bagels. Okay. Well, sure, you know, it's, it's... I don't think that I had one this week because I ran out, but I, I there's a there's a specific brand. Hmm. Since we don't do brands. <laughs> Well, sometimes we do brands. I tried to order a breakfast croissant this morning, yeah. croissant this morning, yeah. and um, I did it with the mobile app for a certain restaurant, and when I went up to the drive-thru, because you're supposed to, you know, at the, uh, not at the window, I've been instructed, don't come to the window! Go to the spot where you place the order and tell us, and then we will make it. Oh. But this morning, there was a snafu. I went to where you order. The voice came on and said, we're not making any food right now. My entire staff has COVID. I was like, wow, that that sucks. But then I also thought to myself, maybe you should just put up a sign where you order saying that you have no food. And then you don't have to communicate that. Did you go find a croissant? No, I did not. When I do mobile ordering, it's bang, 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 bang. I got, I put them to the test, <laughs> right? I'm starting my drive or I will quickly do it at a light, make the order. Sorry, Metro, don't give me a ticket. I make the order and then I test the system and I think it should work inside of like six minutes. I'm not about the mobile orders. I'm starting to not be about them as well. <laughs> Because I felt like I did something wrong this morning when the person was like, we're not making food. Everyone here is COVID. I'm like, okay, we'll just put you. a sign up and then I'll leave. They just barked at you. They barked at me. Like you, They barked at you as if you should have known. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of like how you do everybody. 
you know, that's a great point, actually. And I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because there are a lot of times that stuff happens to me, and I'm like, man, that's what I do. I'm gonna take it out on Willie G. She was she was the the, the young lady working the drive-through was very very upset. Um, Which I would be as well. What if you know you work at a restaurant, and the whole staff is sick? That's not good. You know what else was on Bagel Fest? We're today? trying to clean the whole place right now. More details <laughs> that I didn't need to know. I'm like, I hope so. Should I mention the place? I actually, I'm not because no. I'm not ripping it. No. I'm actually doing everyone a service, but I don't think it's worth it to mention. Hey, no, because then you're going to send the scare out there. Everybody there's got COVID. And then all of a sudden, the, the yeah, people I mean, that went there, now you're going to have them going right. and getting you're self-testing. Right. You're right. That was smart. Um, so you just you backed me off this one. Um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to warn people on this one. LL Cool J's got an inaugural Rock the Bells festival. Do you know what that is? I don't. Do you know what Rock the Bells means? No, but we don't have time to explain it. It's one of his um, first songs. Okay, good. That wasn't didn't take, um, didn't take long at all. He's got a hip-hop food court experience. We're going to have people running the experience who know what they're doing, right? Well, it sounds like they are mo- uh, hip hop moguls okay, who, who have their who are who are. I'm sure they're going to have cooks in their boot. Like, it's, but it's, you know what I'm a, saying? When a menu sometimes is put together yeah. with an ethnic or racial flair, sometimes non-experts will put the menu together, and then we see it. And no, we're but, like, it, but this has who no came eth- up with that. This doesn't necessarily have an ethnicity flair to it. It's just at a hip-hop festival. Okay. So, like, featured in the experience, Nas's Sweet Chick, Mia X's Whip Them Pots, E-40's Goon with the Spoon, Jadakiss and Style P's Juices for Life, Ghostface Killers, Kill a Coffee. Macklemore's Turkey and Gravy. No, Macklemore's not on here. No, he's not on there. Okay. But it's hosting didn't, the... Didn't tri- make the cut, huh? He'll, hosting the Trill Me... Meals Food Court at Rock the Bells Festival at Hip Hop's birthplace of New York City. It allows us to really connect with the community and create a fully immersive way to experience hip hop. I like it. I like it. I just want the stream. I just want the, the live stream of the, the festival on August 6th. I mean, we're talking about like Ice Cube, Little Kim, Rick Ross, Diggable Planets, Fat Joe and Remy Ma. I mean, this is right up. At, maybe we should send Adam. That'd be a nice event. I don't know where he is on August 6th, though. Well, kind of soon. Isn't he going to Canton? That's a good point. So we could shoot him right from Ohio. He'll be closer. York. Yeah. It's easiest for him of all yeah. of us to go. All you right, we'll, we'll put that on the schedule. I'm sure he's got time. We'll bring it up to him. Uh, coming up, Casey Stern, MLB expert. He's going to tell us where hometown hero Joey Gallo will be dealt by the Yankees. I hope it's for a lot. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. If you're a Major League Baseball team right now and you're not at least making that call, you're not doing your job. But no, Shohei Otani is not going to move, even if it might actually be the right thing for the Los Angeles Angels to do. Frankly, I think there's as good, if not better, argument to move Otani than there is to move Soto. I just don't see the Angels doing that. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. ESPN's just passing on... Otani, a possible trade target. He says he's not going anywhere. Let's bring in another Major League Baseball expert in Casey Stern from uh, Believe Podcast. He's the uh, host of Unfiltered. Also has done a lot of work for SiriusXM over the years and uh, TBS TNT. Casey, how you doing, buddy? 
What's going on, guys? How you doing? All right? We're good. We're real good. So uh, we just uh, we had a, a clip from Jeff Passan saying Otani's not going to be on the move. Do you think someone bowls over the Angels and actually is able to grab Otani in a trade? Yeah, I don't think it's possible, especially with the news of Trout's injury, with him having a back problem, and you know, give me shades of covering David Wright with the Mets and watching his career deteriorate, growing up in New York and watching it happen to Don Mattingly. To hear about Trout having a back condition that now is going to need to be monitored seemingly the rest of his career, uh, it makes it even harder, I think, to move Otani. But the reason why I think you can't move Otani, regardless of, you know, look, within reason, if they get offered you know, 28 players, I mean, who knows? Yeah, right. But I think the reason you can't move them is the fact of the franchise value. What we never think about is that baseball teams are companies. And right now, Otani is one of one, even above Soto and above Trout, even if he's not better than those two players, because internationally, the fanfare he brings, the fact that every night tickets at the gate and watching on TV with ratings, right, for sponsors in terms of you know, small markets and regionals, you're talking about a guy who is, is impacting every game, whether he's pitching or he is batting, and he's always one to watch. He's going to put you on national television. He's going to give you all-star games. He's going to be on calendars and all that kind of stuff is valuable for a franchise that clearly can't win any games. I mean, they haven't even been able to do it with them. They're not going to do it by trading them. Because of that, it makes it so hard to find equal value because it's not just players, but in a case like Otani, you've got to find enough value where I'm going to now really lower the evaluation of my franchise and what it's worth by moving a player like that. I think it's very difficult. Who do you think is a favorite to get Juan Soto? Uh, look, I think it comes down to three teams for me. I think it's either going to be Seattle, San Diego, or St. Louis. I think those are the three teams. I think, to me, for him to get moved, and I still think guys, there's a 60% chance he gets moved in the offseason, 40% in the next six days. I don't think there's any chance he plays opening day next year for the Nationals. But remember, teams that are desperate now to go ahead and get him are one thing. But for the Nationals, that will expand in terms of the amount of teams that you can get because with two years still left of his contract, you're now in the offseason going to have teams that might be about to, let's say, spend money and try and take that next step. You've got teams like Texas who have finances. The Boston Red Sox right now are a disaster, but we've seen the way that ownership works in the past. What do they do? They try and fix it with big contracts. In the offseason, they may try and take the next step and look at, hey, maybe we can get two years of Soto with prospects and then go ahead and sell him on something long-term. Right now, you're down to a small number of teams. I look for Seattle. They'd be in the one spot for me. I know everybody talks about St. Louis, but think about this, guys, with Seattle. Desperation to do it now. They haven't been. It's the longest drought, seemingly a century, since they've been in the postseason. Next year, they host the All-Star game. Who are the two stars of All-Star weekend? Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto. They would be batting back-to-back lefty and righty in your batting order for the next two seasons. And at the All-Star game, you'd have those two guys on your team. For me, it's a hair stand-up kind of a scenario, and I think Seattle's the number one team to look for to make this deal if it happens before the deadline. I love that you mentioned they're close. They haven't won in forever. They haven't been on the dance floor. Go for it. I retweeted something you said earlier on your podcast. You know, It says uh, Casey Stern goes off on teams uh, not buying when they should be. This is something I've talked about for years. I think it's absurd for teams not to freaking go for it, especially if they've had long droughts. Reward the fans. Here's where the two biggest scenarios, and I've been doing this 20 years, that I I pick out that have driven me nuts. One, very recently, the Minnesota Twins, 
when they haven't beaten the Yankees in forever. You know you're going to have to face them. You win a division nobody expects a couple of years ago. And when you've got all these different pitchers that are available, the Scherz of the world, all these rentals, they go and they get, and I love Sergio Romo, but that was their big deadline pickup to go pitch in the seventh inning. The biggest one that drives you nuts, and I, I love, I've got good friends in Pittsburgh, I love the city, and that's one of the most gorgeous ballparks in the world. But Andrew McCutcheon was, for four years straight, like a top-five MVP candidate. He won it once. They won 95 games and went home in one game to Madison Bumgarner in a wild card. Won 97 games, went home in one game to Jake Arrieta in that monster season he had because they didn't win divisions in those cases. They lost each time by a game. Why? Because they didn't make the trades for the John Lester's and the Cole Hamels and the David Price's. The year David Price went like 9-1 with Toronto, ERA under two. Pirates weren't willing to go make those moves. And guess what? Then the team's debunk. You lose your manager. You lose all your players. And now the franchise is worth nothing. Absolutely, Seattle fits into that category. They need to go make the moves. I'll say this quickly. The one team that has been the outlier of that, the Kansas City Royals. What did they do? Rent Johnny Cueto, rent Edinson Volquez, make deals for Alex Rios, make deals for Kendrys Morales, and they were in the World Series twice. Yep. Casey Stern with us. I'm going to break away from baseball for a second because you kind of have a loose tie. I think it might be loose. Maybe it's even stronger than loose with uh, something that just happened in Vegas, and that is Jason Horowitz just got the play-by-play job on radio for the Raiders. Yeah, that's you right. Guys, that's you guys, right. Are, I heard about that. You guys are both Dream Job alums. Yes, yes. He was in season two. I was in season one. I think there were only two seasons. <laughs> I think they tried a third with athletes to try to develop some athletes. But yeah, that was a show back in 2004, and you know, I, I I was looking up the details of the show. The amazing thing is, from that show, like Mike Hall has done really well. Actually, a lot of the people who went for it really never got into broadcasting. I don't I don't know if that says like they didn't pick the right people, or those folks were like, my God, broadcasting is really tough, and 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 at the beginning doesn't pay a lot. Well, it certainly at the beginning I know doesn't pay a lot. Yeah. And I went to school for it and then got out of it because of family stuff. But I'm working on Wall Street and then was a headhunter right before I went on that show in yeah. 2004. I had actually just moved back from L.A. to New York. Um, but, you know, look, it's uh, my first job. I didn't win. My first job was doing voiceover highlights for America Online. was the first <laughs> thing that I got. So it wasn't like I was getting – I trust me. Finishing in fifth didn't get me anything cushy, right. uh, but luckily I, I ended up uh, getting a gig with MOB.com. And actually, the first job I had was for a daily basis for three months. I covered the Red Sox run in 2004. And uh, if you go back to the DVD, even for the World Series, I was standing doing the first interview with David Ortiz, now Hall of Famer, when he first held the trophy in the celebration after they won the World Series. Casey Stern, Believe Podcast, host of Unfiltered. All right, I'm going to go down a ridiculous path, and I hope you play along here. Um, I have sure. been throwing out that the Saudi live golf deal, they need to yeah. spend money to change American sports. And I threw out last week, they need to buy the Reds and then post a $1 billion payroll every year with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, and look, uh, somebody needs to do something with the Reds. And the first yes. thing you need to do is have new ownership because the Castellini situation, you want to talk about an absolute oh. debacle. Here, here's a guy who goes on talk radio at the beginning of the season and basically says to the fan base, his sales pitch was, what else are you going to do? Right. Like, does he not know you can now root for other teams even if right. you don't live there? Like, no right. offense to Skyline Chile. Right. Um, so, you know, <laughs> they got an ownership that doesn't give a crap, literally, about winning themselves. The team punted. I will tell you, too, the saddest part about the Reds is that for people in our business and for nowadays in the social media world where things go viral – 
there, you're talking about a small handful of people in our lifetimes, for you and I and people our age listening, that have the gem-like nature that Joey Votto brings to the table. It yeah. is such a shame that he has spent this much of his career in Cincinnati. It's sad, right? Uh, speaking of gems in broadcasting, so, you know, you, you're with uh, TBS and TNT for a long time, and you're around Charles Barkley. You have seen that Barkley may be pitched a big deal by Liv. Do you think he would leave if he's going to get, like, a $50 million offer? He would just bail on the NBA? No, I don't. No, okay. I don't think he would. But I, I will tell you something. And, and I love Chuck. And I worked there for seven years and worked in the NBA. And you know, was uh, you know the I was the stand-in when you get the playbill and you find out that, that EJ is not uh, you know the yeah, yeah. the star of Phantom of the Opera, and you get me instead uh, for four <laughs> years. Uh, but you know, I, I can say this about Charles. Charles Barkley has never one of the crazy. He's so many Chuck stories. He has never used an ATM machine. Legitimately, he has, and it's not like a joke. Oh my God. He has no idea how to use one. He has never used one. So imagine the amount of money and the people that he has in his circle and the kind of money he's playing with. I don't think there's an amount of money that's going to make him drop basketball because the love he has for that and for the attention and all that that comes for it. He's a terrific guy, but certainly he loves the red light as far as the camera. So I don't think so. But I'm really curious to watch it play out the same way everybody else is because right now it seems like there could be unlimited dollars thrown at him, and it'll be interesting because I'm not sure how much the basketball end is going to want to be tied out to the live end. Casey Stearns with us here on Cofield & Company. Let's come back to the baseball trade deadline. Uh, Locals who've listened to me forever know that I am a Joey Gallo stan. I'm also a Yankee fan. This has been very rough for me. Because I don't want to annihilate him. I would love to see, listen, if Yankees fans don't want him, I would love to see Joey Gallo land somewhere. I actually think he could be of decent value. The Yankees aren't going to get anything for him, but I think someone out there could buy low and get a good player again. I think you might have a better opportunity with the buying the Reds. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Come on, Joey. Here's the problem with Joey Gallo, and I've known – I've known Booney a long time, and Aaron Boone is a friend. And he actually, uh, when he wasn't managing, he won the fantasy. This is a true story. He won the fantasy baseball league that I've run for the last fifteen years. He oh, won wow. it three times. Um, I, I did not text him about you know, basically ordering a code red and sending Gallo up last night against Edwin Diaz for no yeah. reason because I didn't understand that move. Uh, but Joey Gallo has lost all confidence and had a swing already that was putting him with no contact and hitting under two hundred before the Yankees got him. Uh, he needs to be totally retooled. I think the biggest thing that Joey Gallo can do, to be honest, is getting in the offseason with somebody who fixes his swing. We've seen some rem- miraculous. Now, look, I don't think with the whole he's got that it's going to happen, but I remind you of, I'll give you an example out West. Justin Turner, who was a Met once and yeah. was certainly no Met legend, had a couple months stint where the Mets had traded for Marlon Bird at a deadline, who was in the Pirates at the time. He went in the offseason. Marlon Bird said to Justin Turner, why don't you come down to Florida and meet with my guy? He met with Marlon Bird's instructor that he worked with, changed his hitting approach, and the rest is history with the Dodger career. J.D. Martinez was released once by the Houston Astros. Gallo needs to rework that swing somewhere in an offseason before anybody's going to see any value in him. Casey, I've got 45 seconds left. Uh, make sure you tell people in Vegas about the podcast. Yeah, please get to Unfiltered. Right now, especially, we've got uh, deadline shows every day. Uh, you know, pretty much for me, I'm not a believer in in uh, BS, and it, it's kind of a, you know, I mean, there are few and far between that are sincere, genuine people, of course, like you and I are. Uh, so I like to roll unfiltered. That's why the podcast is that way. Get me at Casey Stern. We've got great guests. I've had Dusty Baker and Todd Frazier. Name a couple just in the recent couple of weeks. We'll have a lot of fun stuff coming up, including 
I'm hoping to have Scott Boris, among others, after mm. the deadline to react. So nice. get at Casey Stern on Twitter for more. Glad you're doing well. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you, bro. Be well. There he is, Casey Stern. By the way, I've met him. I've talked to him twice in my life. You see, you see what happens? See what happens? You're everybody's bro. The camaraderie I build with people. Mm. He just he just knows. Of everybody except the woman at the drive-thru. Uh, good point. Or he's just a professional. He's like, I don't know who the hell this is, but I'm going to be nice to him because I'm on his show. So we do appreciate it. At Casey Stern, he, he, is, he is really good on baseball, and I thought he did a great job behind Ernie. So I hope he gets back in the fold. He did a great job for TNT with uh, NBA and college basketball.